This podcast is made by Awesome Panda Productions. Find out more at awesomepandauk.com. Hello and welcome to the RG10 podcast, brought to you by the people behind RG10 magazine. The aim is to bring you interviews, information and entertainment. In fact, anything interesting that's relevant to living around here. Here are some stats about where people listen to podcasts. See if any of them apply to you. 64% like to listen in a car, 43% in a gym, 37% at work and 49% whilst walking. But in most scenarios, podcast consumers prefer to listen at home, with 50% going to bed while listening to their favourite shows, saying they find it relaxing. So if you do have trouble sleeping... That's perhaps a new method to try. But someone who comes at this issue with far more expertise is Wokingham-based chartered psychologist, neuroscientist and author Dr Lindsay Browning. In 2006, she started Trouble Sleeping to help people improve their sleep and well-being through sleep therapy and advice. I've been speaking to her about her work, the impact of COVID on sleep and popular sleep myths. But I started by asking Dr Browning if there was a moment when people began to take the issue more seriously. I think about um, sort of five five years ago-ish was when there was a a big change. I think maybe as a result of the recessions and people looking inwards and trying to actually help themselves a bit. I think that's been a bit of a shift over the last, with the whole well-being thing, 10 15 years ago, well-being wasn't really anything people took that seriously. And I think sleep has been part of that journey when people realising how important self-care and nutrition, exercise and sleep is. Do you have a, a typical patient or a kind of patient that you perhaps see more than any other? Yeah, it's very, very interesting, actually, because when someone is really struggling with their sleep, they have, in my experience, and there is you know, some evidence, uh, sort of scientific research to show that, but definitely anecdotally, in my, in my experience, my typical clients are high achievers. They are people who are doers. They're people who, if there is a problem, they will fix it, and which does brilliantly in most of their life. You know, if you're somebody who, if you want to do well at work, then you think, right, well, I'll, I'll take some exams, I'll read some books, I'll try harder, I'll work harder. The more effort you put in, the more successful you are. But the trouble is with sleep, or rather poor sleep, the harder you work at trying to fix it, the worse it gets. So actually, none of my clients are very, you know, low effort, relaxed people who just let life come and go. Because those kind of people, when they have a period of really poor sleep, they'll think, oh, well, I'm not sleeping well, what can I do about it? And then the sleeping problem will go away. My clients are people who they have a problem with their sleep. They think, right, I better read some books. I better buy some equipment. I better buy a sleepy spray, start taking these tablets. And the more and more and more effort they put into trying to fix their sleep, actually that makes it a huge problem. And that's what I have to try and undo. It's interesting you say that because um, I used to work for somebody who used to positively brag about the lack of sleep he got. He was like used to come into work every morning. Yeah, you know, I only had about three or four hours last night. But, you know, that's all I need. Is that a mm-hmm. phenomenon that you're aware of? Well, that's back in 2006 when I started. That's the ethos, the whole, you know, CEOs and you know, Maggie Thatcher, the idea that 
the little sleep, as little sleep you can have as possible, then the more time you've got to be successful. And it was really encouraged that people should sleep as little as possible. But then over the last, you know, shift, the shift in thinking, we've realized what people generally have realized, actually, sleep is really vital. You can't neglect it. It isn't something, it's not an inconvenience. Sleep is when so much important things happen in our body. We we boost our immune system, we process learning, we clean our brains out to help prevent Alzheimer's, we regulate our hormones. You know, sleep is absolutely vital. And yes, you can survive on three, four hours sleep a night, absolutely. But you are doing long-term damage to yourself. There are there's a very, very, very small group of people who are called um, short sleepers who genetically do only need that amount of sleep, but they're very rare. And most people who say, yeah, yeah I can get by on four hours of sleep. You can, you absolutely can. But I would, I promise you in 10, 20 years time, your body and your mind will not be as healthy as they would have been had you prioritized your sleep back then. Has the pandemic had any impact on people's sleep patterns in any way, would you say? Yeah, definitely. There was a huge um, surge in people's sleeping problems right at the beginning, which was completely understandable because there was a a global pandemic and no one knew what was happening and the the stress and worry that everyone was facing, whether it be you worry about your health or financial worries uh, or the impact of you know, weddings cancelled and holidays and all these huge, huge impact, which of course cause huge stress to people. And what happens when we're stressed is that we don't sleep well. But then following on from that, as we start to adjust to the new normal and things start to get a bit better, what happens is we can be stuck in that pattern of poor sleep and we don't know how to improve it. We don't know how to get over it. And that's when, just like I said about sort of personality types, people can start, right, well, I need to fix this. So I will try really hard to fix my sleep. I'll buy all these things and I'll read all this stuff and I'll try eliminating caffeine. I'll you know, do all this good sleep hygiene and put so much effort into fixing their sleep. But actually that's what's causing it to keep going and be worse. Then on top of that, not only has the stress caused insomnia, but lifestyle changes over the last 18 months have generally been not great for our sleep. So things like we are, if you're working from home, you might not leave the house all day. Whereas when you went to an office or went out to work, you would physically go outside. You'd physically walk about and you'd physically get the sunshine. And daytime sunshine in the middle of the day is absolutely vital to our circadian rhythm to help us to know when it's daytime and when it's nighttime. And if you just stay indoors all day, which is really easy to do when you're working from home or homeschooling with kids, you just get up, you log on the computer, you do your work, and at the end of the day, you finish and you watch Netflix. You haven't left the house. So you're not getting that sunshine to help your body know when it's daytime and when it's nighttime. And then compounding onto that, you've got uh, things like the screens. So we know that our electronic devices, our screens give us blue light. And what that means is they mimic the sun, which is fine if you're using it in the middle of the day. But if you're on your screens in the evening, maybe you were homeschooling your kids or you you can't get work done when the kids are at home. um, And then you've got to catch up on work in the evening. You're on your computer or laptop, you know, late into the evening, your eyes are being flooded with this bright blue light, which is telling your brain it's the middle of the day even though it's 7, 8 p.m. So your brain thinks, oh, it's, it's, it's the middle of the day. We should wake up. We shouldn't go to sleep. Then when you try to go to bed at 10, half 10, 11, your brain's going, no, 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 it's not bedtime yet. 
it's still really early. We should stay awake. So our whole circadian rhythm, our when our body thinks it's morning and nighttime is getting really messed up by that. There's a whole host of sort of lifestyle changes like that that have happened over the last you know, 18 months that have been not helpful, which we might not even realise. An awful lot of people in the in the RG10 area uh, may well be getting back into the commute, going into London, getting those ridiculously early trains. It's going to be tough to get back into those patterns as well. Um, they may well have been used to kind of like uh, going to bed 11, 12, because they know they don't have to get up until about 8 in the morning to get back in front of the screen again. How hard is it going to be to get back into that pattern? Is there going to be any long-term impact, would you say? Well, I would say that... Um back in the day and, and, and I've been really lucky I've managed to go abroad this summer just now to Croatia so I experienced a one-hour jet lag um, back in the day we used to we used to have jet lag we used to go on holidays we didn't used to like completely worry about being in the wrong time zone if you've come back from Greece or if you come back from America so think of it like that if you've been used to going to bed late waking up late like you which is really common over the last 18 months because you didn't have to get up and catch the train to London or whatever then just think of it like you're jet lagged. You're just in the slightly wrong time zone from where you want to be. So you can either just start waking up at the time you need to be, say that's six instead of eight, um, and just cut your losses. It'll be a bit difficult for the first few days, just like if you came back from a holiday and you were in the wrong time zone, you just stick with the new one and it would be a bit difficult to start and then you get over it. Or you could do the easier version, the softer version, and gradually move your bedtime from where it is currently to where you want it to be by 20 minutes a day. And it's easier to um, to do that. So if you're going to bed at midnight, say, then the next day you go to bed at 11.40, then the next day 11.20, the next day 11, and set your morning alarm 20 minutes earlier, day by day, just to match. And then that way you'll gradually just get yourself into the new time zone without feeling that sort of massive hit that you would do if you just went for it is there one particular thing maybe a couple of things that um people don't know when it comes to sleep but i think you know it, most sensible people realize that that sleep's very important and it can improve your health in general but is there anything that you ever say to any of your patients or just anyone in general and they find it rather eye-opening yeah, so there's two. I can't pick just one. There's two. So the first one is the eight hours sleep that you need eight hours sleep. And that's actually a really damaging concept if you get too fixated on it, because lots of people read, oh, I need eight hours sleep. But actually, science shows that you probably as an adult need somewhere between seven and nine hours sleep a night. And yes, eight is the average in the middle. But if you only need seven hours sleep a night, and you're trying to get eight because you've read somewhere that's the number that you need, then you'll fail to sleep that extra hour every night. You might struggle to fall asleep or you'll be awake in the night because you're trying to get more sleep than you need. Or if you need nine hours sleep, but you're only giving yourself eight because you've read that that's the right number, again, you're going to be sleep deprived by an hour every night. So it's really important to know what your sleep needs are, not just to pick some arbitrary number that you've read, but to re think, okay, how much sleep do I need to wake up the next morning and feel okay and feel good? That's the right amount of sleep for me. And it might be near a seven hours or it might be near a nine, but it's whatever's right for you. And then the second thing uh, would be that we all wake up throughout the night. Everybody does. We have these things called sleep cycles, um, which probably lots of people have heard about, that they're about 90 minutes long. 
And between each sleep cycle, everyone wakes up. And that awakening will be possibly as, as short as you just sort of like rearrange the covers and roll over. And you will not remember the next morning that you woke up, but you did because you only remember waking up if you're awake for at least two minutes. It takes about two minutes to store that memory of waking up into your long-term memory storage so that you remember it the next morning. Now, that's really, really important because I see so many clients who phone me to say, you know, I need to see Dr. Browning because I'm waking up three times every night. And I say, well, how long are you awake for? And they're like, oh, only five minutes, but my sleep's disrupted. You know, I need to get good quality sleep in one block for it to be good. And I say, no, that's absolute nonsense. Just because you're waking up doesn't mean your sleep quality is poor. In fact, everyone wakes up. I promise you, everyone listening, you'll wake up at least four or five times every night. But most of the time, you won't remember that we've woken up. Um, but if you've got a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or some sleep tracker, that will tell you. And that can cause even more problems because you're looking at your data the next morning and you'll see, oh, I woke up four times last night. Oh, no, that was a bad night's sleep, wasn't it? And then you start to worry that your sleep is not so good. And then the more you're worried about your sleep, the more stressed you'll get. And then suddenly, before you know it, you've got a full on sleep problem. So, yeah, as long as you aren't waking up loads of times, the odd waking up in the night to get up, go to the loo, come back to bed again is completely normal. And your sleep quality is in no way impaired because that's normal. That's a really important thing because loads of people worry about that. Finally, Dr. Lindsay, cast your mind forward 10, 20 years into the future. Is there anything in particular that you see on the horizon that is really going to affect people's sleep? So as the world you know, keeps progressing and we get less and less physical social interaction with people, we're leaving the house less and less, potentially that has a it's going to have a huge impact on our, our sleep, not only because of light levels, but also that, that that FOMO, that fear of missing out, that constant, oh, I should check my social media. You know, you're lying in bed. Oh, I'll just see how many likes that last post's got. It's prompting you to avoid sleep. So it's just there's so much poor sleep hygiene lifestyle factors that are coming in. So I, I think it's really important to remind people what healthy looks like and to put themselves first and to really think about that that's fantastic advice uh, dr lindsay browning thank you so much for your time thank you very much that was dr lindsay browning and you can find out more at troublesleeping.co.uk thanks so much for listening to the rg10 podcast it'd be great if you could share this with others who you think may find it interesting even those who've never even heard of the podcasting phenomenon at the moment it's just another way that we can all stay connected if you do have any thoughts about who or what we can include in future episodes then please do let us know via the rg10mag.com website or maybe in the comments section on apple or soundcloud thanks for listening and goodbye